Hey guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively in how art imitates life, imitates art. Today we're checking out the drama fantasy mystery that is M. Night's Lady in the Water. Let me clear the air now. I am a M. Night fan and I'm not apologizing for nothing. Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. The movie begins with animation, big fan, by the way, and it's talking about how long time ago there were water people and man on land and they conversed. They they were cool. I guess over time between advancements and technology and building up, they kind of separated. Man forgot all about the water people and all that they foretold them and warned them about and future and blah, 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 blah. The water people just wanted to help man, but you know, you know how man do. I'm talking about like everybody, mankind. We don't listen. The animation fades out and we open up to present day where Cleveland, the property manager or maintenance guy for the apartments is trying to kill a bug, a big hairy bug in one of the tenants apartments. We don't get to see this bug. I'm cool with that. I don't need to see this bug. The way it was described to me, no, I don't need to see it. It took him a while to kill this bug. So again, thank you for keeping it to yourself. When he succeeds, we turn to see that the tenants who were, you know, kind of like screaming at the idea of the bug were five girls and their father who were all huddled up together. They were all afraid. Now that I think about it, Cleveland, he doesn't really own the property. Yeah, he's just like the maintenance guy. And they called the maintenance guy who's supposed to fix <laughs> maintenance things, windows, doors, plumbing, to kill a bug. Don't worry, sir. I am not judging you. But it's still funny. Cleveland gets summoned. I think it was a beeper. Was it a beeper? How long ago was this movie? Okay. It turns out it was the pool guy telling him something's going on with the pool, the water. And even in the filter, he found strands of red hair. What's going on with the pool? It's, it's weird. Cleveland's like, yeah, I think I, someone's been swimming in the pool at night. I, I hear splashing. I'm going to catch him. Cleveland meets with a new tenant uh, named Harry. He has been hired to be the local, like, I guess, book and film critic. And he's kind of a prick. Correction. He's definitely a prick. You can just see the pretentious attitude rolling off of him. It's, he's a prick. We meet another tenant named Reggie who has decided to do this extraordinarily weird experiment where he only worked out half his body. His right arm and right leg, toned muscle. Congratulations, you just got tickets to the gun show. While the other side is puny in comparison. It looks weird on screen. I know that that wasn't, you know, whatever, CGI, but it's a little unsettling. I have questions, Reggie. Now I'm just gonna let you guys know that this story occurs in an apartment building and we are going to be coming across quite a few tenants. So I'll do my best to keep you on track with the names and who was who. Cleveland is a pretty nice guy with a bit of a stutter problem. And some people kind of take advantage of that and treat him like a doormat. For instance, one of the tenants is like five guys in the apartment. 
and they're just smoking and they have the ashtray outside on the floor in front of the, the door. Cleveland walks by. He's literally telling Harry, the new tenant who was giving like a kind of a mini tour to that there's no smoking in their rooms as these guys are smoking in their room. He even picks up the ashtray. Cleveland did this and empties it and puts it back. <sighs> nice guy, but you gotta enforce the rules you lay down. So anywho, it's later that night. Cleveland is in his own room. He's falling asleep and he hears splashing outside. So this setup of the apartment is almost like four walled in building, buildings kind of connected, but in the middle is a huge pool. So he hears the splashing and he goes to check it out and investigate. No, Cleveland, you mind your business. Couldn't be me. So Cleveland goes out to the pool, doesn't see anything. And he starts cleaning up around the area. A young woman comes out of the water, grabs like a necklace that was laying on the side of the pool. Someone must have left it there and dives back in. And he's, he turns, he goes, ah, ah, gotcha. But instead of like being like upset about it, he's more concerned. He's like yelling, come out of the water. It's not safe. It's dangerous. We don't see where the girl is. The pool water is kind of dark. Like it's, I don't know what you guys are cleaning it with, but it's pretty dark. Just going to say. He decides to jump in after her. He's swimming around. He can't find her. And then he decides in this moment, he puts his hand on the ledge like he's going to get out. And then he decides to just let go and allows himself to sink to the bottom as if he didn't even want to try. There was nothing holding him back. Nothing was pulling him down. He voluntarily let himself sink to the bottom of the pool. I sense there are some underlining things going on with our boy Cleveland. Next thing we know, Cleveland wakes up. He's in his own bed and he looks and turns. And there is a young woman, half dressed, sitting on his couch, looking at him. He realizes, oh, she saved him. She pulled him out of the water. And he says, thank you. Where are you from? Her response, the blue world. Thanks for narrowing it down. Tells me absolutely nothing. She then asks him, do you feel an awakening like pins and needles? Uh. Nope, I'm good. Nothing. She goes, oh, you're not the one. Felt like my feelings got hurt a little bit there, but okay. She tells him her name is Story. Pretty. And they start talking. He realizes that he doesn't stutter once this stuttering problem he has is not small it it is a consistent thing so the fact that he was getting through this conversation with her without any stuttering surprised him it's never happened before mm. so cleveland asks her who are you really and she says that she is a narf again thanks for explaining absolutely nothing but noted so he tells her she should go Wherever she's going, she shouldn't be in his room. Not to worry, he won't tell on her. Story's scared. She does not want to go outside. He lets her stay the night. No hanky-panky, guys. Get your minds out the gutter. It was completely innocent. So he wakes up. It's still nighttime. And he decides, well, let me just take her outside, put her by the pool. When he goes outside, he starts heading, you know, he's, he's literally carrying her. This girl must weigh like nothing. He is not struggling at all. No knock on our boy Cleveland, but 
you know, he's not bodybuilder. She's not a big girl either, but I'm just saying it's impressive. So he's walking towards the pool and in the distance, he sees some kind of like beast like doll thing in the grass looking at him. It starts approaching. So Cleveland slowly starts stepping back as the dog is slowly, we're going to call it a dog, but just know it's not a dog. Starts walking towards them. And then Story, who, sorry, she's been asleep this whole time when he carried her out. My girl is tired. She wakes up, sees the creature, and starts pointing and screaming. I think she said run, but whatever she said, it didn't matter. Cleveland knew what to do. They ran as the beast started chasing them, and they made it inside the house. So it's the next day. Cleveland has called animal control because, yeah, let's let's handle this dog-like beast. And he's giving a description of the dog, and he's saying that the creature is kind of green. They're in Philadelphia because that is where M. Night is from and loves shooting there. Holler back, fellow Philadelphian here. Pest control is kind of like, I keep an eye out for what you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure it was just some animal that had mud on it or something. Cleveland comes across Young Soon, who is a college student who lives there, and she's Asian. This is relevant, guys. She says she has books for him. You know, she brought some more books because he likes, you know, reading about other things. And he gets the inkling to ask her, hey, do you know what a narf is? And she turns to him and she goes, yeah, it's actually an old time Eastern bedtime story her great grandmother used to tell her, but she doesn't remember it at all. Cleveland inquires, maybe does your mom know? Yang Soon and her mother is a very funny dynamic. She is literally having to drag her mother out of the kitchen to come talk to Cleveland. And now her mother doesn't speak any English, so Yang Soon has to translate. Immediately, Yang Soon's mom, who is Mrs. Choi, she looks at Cleveland. How do you know this word? Cleveland plays it off. No, I just heard it somewhere. So Mrs. Choi tells her that her mother used to tell the story of the narf, but she didn't tell it as if it was a story. She told it as if it was real. A narf is a scenic. The sea nymph must be seen by the human that's been chosen for her. Seeing the narf will awaken something inside of the human. If the narf is successful, a giant eagle will come take them away. They'll become free. But that's all Miss Troy will tell him. She doesn't want to continue the story. So Cleveland goes back to his apartment where he walks in on story just standing in his apartment in her birthday suit. He doesn't ogle her. And I, I want to be very clear here that there is never a moment where it seems like he has any like lust towards story in this way. It's not like disgust. It's just kind of respect. Like even when he walks in on her in her birthday suit, he like looks away, like uh, put some clothes on. So he sits down with story and he says, are you supposed to meet someone? She confirms yes and says that she is supposed to meet a writer, but she doesn't know who they are, just that she needs to meet them because they're writing something very important. Cleveland tells her 
he's going to help her. He seems to believe in the story. And honestly, after seeing a green creature dog the other night, I can't blame him. So he goes to the prick. I mean, <laughs> Harry, the new tenant who, you know, the book and film critic. And he asked him, hey, are you writing anything? Are you working any work? And he's like, no. But your other tenant, Mrs. Bell, she's writing. So Cleveland seeks out Mrs. Bell. Now, Mrs. Bell, she's a lover of animals. She's outside with a young girl just petting a cat. She's very sweet and she's very soft. We see Cleveland standing talking to her and she notices a butterfly has landed on her shoulder. And she remarks, it's so peculiar that so many butterflies tend to circulate around this building. It's very odd, strange behavior for the butterflies. I believe that is a foreshadowing note. Got it. Sadly, she informs him that she hasn't written anything in a long time. And the last book she had was out of print for 20 years. Remember, Cleveland is the maintenance guy. So he still has to do his job. So he goes around. He comes across another tenant, Mr. Dory. He's fixing his, I think, window or sliding door. Mr. Dory and his son Noah are sitting at their little table. Mr. Dory is working on his crossword puzzle while Noah is eating his cereal and just looking at the box, Cleveland asks him, hey, do you do any other kind of writing? Mr. Dory says, nope, not that kind of writer. Next, Cleveland has to go fix a broken sink in another tenant's apartment. Remember those um, five young guys who were smoking in the apartment, who are still smoking in the apartment? <laughs> he looks at them and he goes, eh, I doubt this will apply at all, but is anyone writing a book? An essay? Anything? Nope. These guys, they are more talkers than writers. As he's walking across the courtyard, he comes across Young Soon again. She tells him that after her mother cussed her out, a very contentious relationship, I might add, but funny, that she told her more of the story. Go on. Young Soon tells Cleveland that the villains in this story are these creatures that want to seriously harm and end the narfs but they can only get to them when they're out of the water she describes them as having grass all along their back and they're able to lay flat on the ground which is why man can never see them they just look like lumps of grass reminds me of a certain green like beast cleveland saw the other night cleveland continues to make his rounds and passes by vic and his sister anna in the hallway vic tells him oh hey something's broken and you know Cleveland's like oh okay no worries I'll get to it how's the writing coming along yeah not good wait how long have you been writing something Vic's been writing for six months but he's kind of got writer's block it's not going well Vic's book is about social issues culture and important characteristics of leadership Cleveland's face lights up this has gotta be the guy by the way the actor who plays Vic is actually M. Knight himself, the director of the film. Cleveland runs back to his room and catches Story reading one of his private journals. Cleveland's journals chronicles he used to be a doctor. And one night he wasn't home. And a man came to his house, robbed it, and removed Cleveland's wife and children off the map. This speaks largely to that moment when he was trying to find Story in the pool and he just let himself sink to the bottom. 
he wants to give up on life. Story tells him that he still has a purpose. Cleveland quickly changes the subject. He's like, hey, I know who the vessel is, the, the human who you have to come meet. And he opens the door and lets Vic walk in and introduces them. There is this like this silent, this tense silence that passes between the two of them, Vic and Story. Vic turns to Cleveland and he goes, hey, I gotta go. I'm feeling kind of funny. Pins and needles funny? Vic says, yeah. Well, my good sir, you had been awakened. Vic leaves to go back to his apartment. Cleveland tells her, no one here knows about my family. Please don't bring them up again. Like even the way that like with him talking to her, like he's not he's not upset that she read his journal. Like he's he's not he's, well, he's not expressing that he's mad. He's not yelling at her. He's not snatching things like his whole temperament is gentle. His whole response is still just talking and just being calm about things. And again, he does not stutter when he's around her. Cleveland takes his journal and he, he's putting it away and he remembers, ah, I forgot one more maintenance call. He goes to Mrs. Bubchick, Bubachick, Bubachick. He goes to her room and says, hey, I'm sorry, you, you called about a broken toilet. So she's telling him, oh yeah, it was from earlier. Don't worry about it. And then she starts telling him about her husband's hygiene habits and how yeah, he's got a growth on his butt, but don't say nothing. Don't tell him I told you. But the way she does it is very funny and, and, and comical. She's not, <laughs> her intention is not to degrade her husband. She just can't keep a secret. <laughs> he returns back to his apartment and story, she's ready to go. She serves her purpose. She met her vessel, her human, who she was assigned. It's time for her to go home. He's worried about the creature. And she says, no, 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 there are rules. He will not attack tonight. But she tells him in order for her to get picked up from the eagle, he can't he can't watch her leave. Fair enough. She goes out to the pool while he goes into the stairwells and starts emptying the garbage. Moments later, Story rushes back in the stairwell crying. She's been attacked. Cleveland runs to Story, realizes she's been attacked, just scratched all over her legs. He's like holding her. And right at that moment, the creature breaks the glass bottom frame of the door and they run they run to get away the creature does not enter the building however i think maybe he was too big for that little glass pine glass thing he broke through cleveland decides to take story to vic's apartment where him and his sister are the writer and asks if she can stay here and rest and they're like yeah it's a little weird but yeah it's fine and cleveland notices that vic is writing again vic says yeah i've, I've, I've just been so inspired Cleveland goes to Mrs. Choi, but Young Soon's not there. Mrs. Choi gets Young Soon on the phone, who apparently my girl's at a party, but told her mom she was at some kind of dance practice. Clever girl. He asks, he asks Young Soon about what happens if the Narp gets attacked by the creature. Apparently, scratches from the creature are poisonous to the narf but they do have a way of protect themselves they have their own healing mud rock stuff that they usually have where they live he also asked her what would stop the creature from attacking a narf when the eagle's trying to come grab her young soon tells him that there are these three woodland monkey like creatures that are so 
they're, they're just evil, but their purpose is to bring balance and justice. And they would make sure that laws aren't being broken. Cleveland dives into the pool, goes beneath the grate and finds a whole nother like underwater cave where Story had been living. And he gets a hold of some magical rock or mud or whatever that she's got under there. I would not make it. I cannot hold my breath for that long. Story would be out of luck if it was up to me. He returns to his room just as Young Soon knocks on the door. Because apparently, from that phone call, her mother busted her. Wait, you're at a party? Nah, get your butt home. But she also tells Young Soon more of the story when she gets home. Young Soon tells Cleveland that apparently there is a reason why the rules may be broken. Once in a generation, a very special Narf comes. A Madam Narf. I would not have chosen that title, but apparently this Narf was special. And if she returns successful, she'll be like a queen to her people. And the creature would do anything to get their hands on a Madam Narf. Even break the rules and risk the wrath of these monkey type woodland creatures. The Madam Narf doesn't even know that she's the Madam Narf. Such is life. Young Soon confesses to him that she too is invested in this story and wants to believe that it's true. And then she leaves. Cleveland gives the healing rock to Story, which does its job. She does get better. Meanwhile, you can tell the creature is still in the grass around the pool because he keeps setting off the sprinklers. Don't go outside. Cleveland realizes he needs help. This is bigger than him. So he goes back to Vic and Anna and tells them who Story is. Vic tells Story that ever since he met her, his head's been clear. His ideas are flowing. And he asks her, does she know the future? She sure does. She tells him the young man would read his book, gain inspiration from his book, and apply ideas and seeds from the book to become a great leader and provide great impact and change. Young Soon tells Cleveland that if he wants to hear the rest of the story from her mom, he's going to have to appear childlike. Not as a grown man, a stranger, but as a, as a young child who yearns to hear a good bedtime story. This is kind of funny. <laughs> because Cleveland does just that. The next day he goes, he sits, he has some cookies and milk. He lets a milk mustache stay. He like kind of fidgets like a child. And he's like, can I hear the rest of the story, please? I, I, I promise you guys, it's not cringy. It's hilarious. I'm probably making it cringy the way I'm doing it, but it's hilarious. So Mrs. Choi tells him the rest of the story. Cleveland goes back to Vic and Anna and Story. Okay, it's cute that her name is Story. I see you, M. Knight. I see you. And he says to Story, okay, I get it. You are not able to tell me things about your world. You're not allowed to, but I can guess things and you can confirm them. Yes? Yes. Cleveland tells her, okay, so the Narf must leave from the same spot they arrived. And that there are humans with powers who can help her. And these humans have unknowingly <laughs> been drawn to live near the vessel. But they don't know who they are either. They don't realize 
what what their power is. They also have specific names and roles. Symbolist, which is basically an interpreter, the guild, and the healer. And you can tell that they're the healer because butterflies are drawn to them. Cleveland must find these people. Tao, let's go see Harry, the film and book critic. Immediately, Harry is like, oh, there's no more originality in the world, blah, blah, blah. Every story has been told. Yes, Harry, we know. The journey and the packaging are what is important. Now, hush up. So Cleveland asks Harry, how would I go about trying to find an interpreter? Harry tells him the interpreter should be mundane, but sees extraordinary in the mundane. He's probably good at puzzles. Remind you of anybody? Cleveland asks him about the guild. Harry's like, yeah, they're probably a, a, a group of insufferable people who are always together. They're a little vapid and shallow when they talk. Cleveland goes to see the five guys in the apartment who were smoking. And they do fit the bill. There's also a guardian who protects the narf and can fight the creature. Story believes that Cleveland is the guardian. So Cleveland gathers up the guild, the symbolist, around Story. And he says to Mr. Dory, okay, there's got to be a plan. Mr. Story starts looking at his crossword puzzles, trying to decipher within it a message of what they should do. He deciphers that they should throw a party that will distract the creature and then have a live band inside so everyone can go and allow the eagle to come and pick her up. Now, may I say that everyone kind of jumps on this bandwagon of who this woman may be in this fairy tale. And I think that it's more about hope. I am not going to come with the pessimistic. Everyone's just going along with this crazy notion that you're a symbolist, you're a guild, this lady's special. Yes, everyone's going along with it. You know why? Because people want to believe in hope and good things. That night, armed with the walkie-talkie, Cleveland ventures out into the courtyard, solo dolo. And inside his apartment is Story with the other walkie-talkie. Story is guiding him, and she tells him to pull out a mirror, turn your back to the grass, and look through the mirror for the red eyes of the creature. That's the only way to spot them. Consider it spotted. She then tells him that as the guardian, you must challenge him. Say the secret ancient words that will make him rise up from the grass, which he does. She tells him, hold your gaze. Look into his eyes. A guardian has the power to hold the creature at bay as long as he remains eye contact and can force the creature to retreat by just walking forward. Cleveland attempts this, but the creature is walking towards him, not away. The creature does not seem frozen. <gasps> Cleveland is not the guardian. Get out of there, Cleveland. You're gonna die. Cleveland turns to run, radio silence. The creature got him? No. He is on the floor near the pool and standing over him is Harry, the, uh, the prick, the film and book critic, looking at him like, what are you doing on the floor? Basically, Harry saved him from the creature. The creature doesn't, this creature doesn't like to be seen. Once another man came on the scene, that creature was like, boom, this thing is fast, yo, it is fast. It was already back under the cover of grass hiding again. Please don't try that again, Cleveland. Unlike Neil, you ain't the one, dog. He's not the guardian, he can't protect her. 
It's the next day, the day of the party. Now, this is Story's last chance to get picked up by the Great Eagle. She expresses that it can only come one more time to come get her. Cleveland stops by a tenant named Mr. Leeds' room. Now, Mr. Leeds, his room is full of books. This man is a recluse. He tells him, hey, are you coming to the party tonight? Instead of answering that mild question, Mr. Leeds hits him with, do you believe man should be saved? Whoa, whoa, dog, dog. This is some heavy stuff for a breezy, sunny afternoon. What are we talking about? Cleveland tells him, yes, I think man should be saved. His answer surprises Mr. Leeds. He tells him, I know about your family. I looked you up when you started working here. He tells Cleveland, don't give up. Don't try to hide yourself here. Don't end up like me. Something strange is going on in this building. I underestimated Mr. Leeds. He isn't just some recluse guy. I got it. Meanwhile, Vic, the writer, visits Story. He says to her, I have to ask you a question. I've been thinking about what you told me, about this man that I am going to inspire. If I have impacted his life so strongly, why doesn't he try to meet me? Is something going to happen to me because I wrote this book? Story says yes. Damn, Story, read the room. Party pooper? God. So now it's nighttime, party's happening, the whole apartment complex is out in the courtyard with the pool, having fun. Now, the important thing to note is that if they're on the right track, everything will start falling into place. The opposite happens. Everyone gets distracted. Story gets snatched up by homeboy. Cleveland sees that she's not there and he runs and manages to get her. He takes her into the apartment. The guild and the interpreter, they, they, they go inside. And he gets Mrs. Bell, the healer, because, you know, the, the butterfly. Now, Story is in bad shape. She has way more marks on her now. Her hair is turning white. She's looking paler than pale. It is not going good for my girl. Meanwhile, somebody was throwing out the garbage, leaving the door to the apartment building open. You see the creature slip inside. The group is around her. The guild is there. The symbolist is there. Mrs. Bell, the healer, is there. Mrs. Bell's holding her. This is a sweet lady. She's holding her. She's saying, come back to us. It's not too soon. They're trying. Nothing's happening. Something is wrong. Cleveland made a mistake. These may not be the people that were supposed to be the guild or the interpreter. Mr. Dory admits he can't read anything in their crossword puzzle. It's not speaking to him. He doesn't know. They have to fix this. Harry... The uh, critic, definitely tipsy. He's bumbling around. He comes in down a dark hallway. He kind of flips a switch. That the light light bulb burns out. Before it goes black, you see that the creature is there. And Harry looks and he's like, "Oh, it's a dog in here." Wait, that's not a dog. And then he does this weird thing where he starts to narrate the scene, talking as if he's laying out story beats. This is like a horror story where an unlikable character has come across a monstrous beast. But the unlikable character manages to get away and learn a valid lesson and becomes lovable later on. That's not exactly what happens. He turns around and he gets got. Ah! He don't make it. We're all very sad. 
So they're all back with Story, who was dying, basically. You know, she's being poisoned. And they're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to find the interpreter, the real interpreter? Where can we find somebody who sees the purity in the mundane, who hears the voice of God in the ordinary? And Mr. Derby, light bulb, he knows who it is. And so do we. It is his son, Noah. Noah is able to read messages within cereal boxes. It's kind of adorable. The cereal boxes are lined up in the cabinet and Noah is reading it, interpreting the images and everything as what it is. He says, to save her, a ceremony needs to be done. You need to find a guild of seven sisters. Oh, first mistake, the guild is not men, it's women. Then you will need a man who has no secrets and one whose opinion that is highly respected. Cleveland now knows who part of the guild is. Remember in the very beginning of the movie when he was killing that hairy bug in that apartment? Man who has five daughters? Yeah. Then he seeks out Mrs. Bubchick. Remember Mrs. Bubchick? Lovable woman who tells all her man's business? That's the man who has no secrets. And he got Mr. Leeds, the recluse, whose opinion he deeply admires and respects. Rain starts coming down, pouring down outside, so the party goes, everyone goes inside and starts playing the music and having the little, like, little band mini concerts. So no one's paying attention to the outside anymore. They gather the group for the ceremony. They have the seven sisters, so that is the five daughters, Young Soon, and Vic's sister, Anna. She makes the seventh sister, but nothing happens. Something is still wrong. Then Mr. Dory arrives with his son, Noah, and Noah says, I made a mistake. He says, I thought it said that she will lead the ceremony, but it's he. The healer is a man. And they say, well, that can't be because the butterfly was on Mrs. Bell. She's got to be the healer. And Mrs. Bell says, no. Cleveland, the butterfly, came with you. Plot twist. The infamous M. Night plot twist. Our boy Cleveland is not the guardian. He is the healer. Makes so much sense. Cleveland, he's afraid. Gathers in the circle. He holds her. And he just starts getting emotional and just talking about missing his family and, you know, wishing he had been there and, and apologizing. And he misses their faces. And he, and he just starts bawling. Like, I mean, I'm surprised that I held it together. Right? Story awakens. And... She is healed. Her color has returned. It has worked. <laughs> Story turns to Vic, the writer, and she tells him, your sister will have seven children. Damn, Anna. Okay. He will be alive for the first two. Some hope. We'll take it. So they all go outside to the pool, gather. The creature's still inside the building. He sees they're outside. He is mad. He wants Story really bad. The others are off to the side while Cleveland stands with Story. The creature, like, scratches at the door and gets it open and darts out and runs to them and then stops in his tracks, frozen. He does not attack. They turn and they see that something has caught the creature's eye. It's Reggie. Dude, who's half of his body? Yeah. And the other half is like, wah, wah. yeah, that guy. He's the guardian. And Cleveland says, keep his gaze. Don't look away. He's doing that. And he's walking towards 
the creature, forcing the creature to walk back because that is the power of the guardian, baby. Then in the distance, you hear the great eagle and it calls. Wait, do eagles call? Like, call, call. No, it's kind of like a crow. But whatever sound an eagle makes, that's what the eagle did. But this distracts Reggie. And he looks away, breaking the gaze, the hold that he had on the creature. The creature's like, oh, yeah, now's my chance. I'm about to get this chick. Boom. Nope. Nice try. Remember the evil monkey woodland type creature things? Yeah. The three of them pop up from the trees. Y'all finally got here? We all been in the last two days. This creature has been running amok. Put him in his place. And that's what they do. They yoke up the creature, drag him into the wooded areas and disappear. Yeah, you're done. Cleveland turns to the story and says, thank you for saving my life. Not only did she pull him out of the pool in the beginning, she pulled him out of deep sadness and depressive state that he was in that was going to eventually drown him. And we see in the reflection of the pool, Great Eagle come swoop down, grab her. Everyone looks up watching the Great Eagle fly higher, higher away. Roll credits. Final thoughts. This was a wonderful modern telling of a fairy tale. Such a fantastical idea. I honestly think people missed the point of the movie. Within this bedtime story in this movie, the elements of storytelling are pointed out to us through Harry, the film critic, and Mrs. Choi. And it's done from two points of view. Ones who are in awe of the storytelling and ones who are very critical of it. The pretentious nature of the critic and the point of his character was to misdirect. He was wrong in his entire analysis. He represents to me those people who are hypercritical and dry about TV and movies who can simply not enjoy it and suck the fun out of the art. This is probably why M. Night had his character met with an untimely demise. Apparently the whole plot of the movie was based on a bedtime story that M. Night wrote for his daughters. That's talent. And he is one of my favorite directors. Again, not apologizing. I know that some or many of you may not agree with me. So let's open the dialogue and duke it out in the comments. Let's talk about it. If you enjoyed hanging out with me today, please be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that notification bell so you can be kept in the loop. We're also on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, wherever podcasts generally are. Links will be in the caption. Same time next week. Later.